Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com previewing Super Bowl 58. You can follow me on X at Eli Herskovich. Follow Mo at Monoara. As you see, our X handles are on the screen or whatever Elon Musk wants to call it. Remember to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell if you want to comment with any of your best bets for Super Bowl 58 or just want to give us crap for our terrible takes. Hopefully, you've been tailing this season 46 and 28 on spreads and totals. We have props. We have a bet on the spread or total. Surprise for Mo coming up in a few minutes. And then we'll be joined by Chuck Esposito, the race and sportsbook director over at Station Casinos in Las Vegas. A great, great, great guest for a multitude of reasons. And you'll want to stick around for that when it comes to the guy who created one of the most famous props in Super Bowl batting history. But most importantly, Mo, how are you feeling four or five days after your big poker win? Pretty, pretty great. S- settled back into my normal routine. Um, yeah, I think uh, just the most unremarkable few days of anybody that's ever won 100K plus probably. So... The people want to know, I got some messages on X, what's the number one thing or maybe the first thing you spent it on if if it's not like a wish list? I haven't spent a single cent yet. I bought I tacos for boring. my buddy. Tacos and beer yesterday, if that counts. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. All right, so what's coming up? What's the big purchase of the next six months to a year? I might buy new shoes. My other ones are like five years old and they have multiple holes in them. All right. I'll accept it. If you want to get a sense of who Motoir is, that is the gist of it right there. A simple man, but a guy who is excellent when it comes to his handicapping. And Mo, we're breaking down our bets. And if our listeners, viewers on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast, or for those watching on YouTube, want to tail or fade our bets, you can do so. With the BetMGM promo code, the lines one word to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. And as always, terms and conditions apply. If you want to hear more information about most poker tournament from the weekend, check out the opening episode of Beat the Closing Number from earlier this week. But Mo, it's the anniversary of 49ers Chiefs the first time around. Dating back to Super Bowl 54, we had the bad beat that went along with it with Mahomes' rushing prop closing at 29 and a half and his kneel downs to end the game. Ice the under after going over for a large portion of the contest, or at least from a betting sense. You look at the spread in total for this matchup, 49ers minus two is the consensus line. It opened minus two, minus two and a half, got bet down to Niners minus one early week, but back up to minus two. Chiefs are around plus 110 on the money line, and the total is 47 and a half. I want to start with something that's tangential to the Mahomes bad beat on his rushing prop in Super Bowl 54. Four years ago, four to five seasons ago, depending on how you want to look at it. And if we look at some of the total rushing attempts for both teams, You're looking at Kansas City side of things. So what's your angle? And remember, if you're tailing Mo or myself or fading us, you could price shop the best odds over at thelines.com. But where are you going first on the board, Mo? You can't price shop this one, I don't think, unfortunately. Or I would. These uh, super niche markets are kind of weird. Like, you actually have to, like, dig in and look around. Um I did find one that I actually bet last year, I believe, successfully. I fired under four and a half Chiefs with a rush, if I'm recalling correctly. I played that pretty big, and it came home, um, at least as big as they would let me on a prop like that. Um, This year, it's down to three and a half. The over is quite a favorite. It is... So yesterday, I think it was minus 170. Somebody really likes that side of it because uh, it was up to minus 188 earlier when I looked. But I like the under. Um, So the Chiefs only had... So they've had four in each of the last three playoff games. 
Um, <clears throat> last one was kind of fake though. Travis Kelsey, that one was technically a rush, but it was not a designed rush. Uh, you know, it was that play where Mahomes kind of was like trying to scramble to his left and was kind of trying to bring the defender in and he was able to bring the defender in. And so he just like flipped it to Kelsey. It wasn't a big gain, maybe like four or five yards, I think, but it ends up going into the into the stats as a rush, but definitely not a designed rush. So designed runners, the Chiefs had three of them last game. Prior to that, the previous two games, McCole Hardman got um, <clears throat> designed rushes to make it four. He got, I think, one in each game. We know how that went. The Chiefs know how that went because McCole Hardman was glued to the bench in the Ravens game. I believe he had one offensive snap. So I I think the under is a good play here. It, it's not even 100% certain that CEH and Mahomes will rush the ball. I mean, it's likely, obviously, but it's not 100%. I mean, CEH only had one rush in one of those games. They're trying to give Pacheco as many rushes as he can handle. So uh, I, I really like under three and a half. I think you can get plus 150 or so on it now. And I think that's a good value play. Obviously, there's a decent chance that the over comes home here, but I think it should be closer to even money. How do you go about not just prop betting, but betting on the Super Bowl in general? When you look at, we discussed this with our guest on Tuesday's episode of the show, Jason Weingarten looking at two week stretch, all the movement, not just with the major markets, but with props, you mentioned the movement in the last 24 hours. Is this something, whether it's this niche market specifically, or generally speaking, something you'd look to wait on or pounce once you see the movement in your favor, especially a shift like that within a day? Yeah, I'd say probably just fire. Um, I mean, I guess I would have said that before, so maybe I'm wrong, <laughs> but it's just like these, these props are so easily moved. Like if somebody likes, like, I mean, it was literally last night I was looking at these and it's moved 20 cents since last night, basically. So anyone with deep pockets likes a side, they can move this in a hurry. So the number you like could be gone pretty quickly. So I'd just be more likely to bet it. I like the call. I'll probably tell you on that one. You weren't on the back half of last week's episode of the podcast when we were joined by Evan Silva and he brought up Mahomes rushing over. And I know the tendency can be to take a quarterback and his rushing yards prop and go over just because maybe in big games like we've seen, at least specifically with Josh Allen, the Bills have tended to call more so scheme around Allen's ability to generate explosive carries on the ground, which isn't the case with a ton of quarterbacks. Maybe Lamar Jackson last week, also one of the exceptions. How do you think Kansas City will play it with Mahomes if they do it all to your point? I don't know. I mean, that's like one where I'm super curious to see how the 49ers are going to opt to defend here. I think he's not going to run for very many yards if they try to play their normal defense. But if they do try to play their normal defense, I think he's not going to run for that many yards because a lot of people are going to be open <laughs> because the Chiefs are just such a zone shredding team. I mean, you've talked about this before in the past on this show, how just you can't play zone against Patrick Mahomes, basically. And every every week when I watch Travis Kelsey against zone, I'm just amazed that opposing defensive coordinators don't play only man against him. Because the guy can read a defense better than just about anybody that has ever run a route. And if you try to play zone against him, he will find the holes in it. But obviously he's slowing down, so he's not as effective as he used to be against man coverage. Um, although he did have some tight window catches in that Ravens game. They definitely were focused on playing some man against him. Um, I'm curious what the 49ers are going to do. They like to play zone. They don't like to blitz. I don't think that's going to work in this game. I mean, we saw what the Ravens did. Like, they had more success when they were more aggressive in the second half. Obviously, a lot of that was game script, game flow dependent. Chiefs were just focused on not making mistakes, not giving the ball away, not giving the Ravens any short fields. Um, but I I just said uh, it's, it's a really interesting strategic pivot because – 
either the 49ers are going to have to do what they've done all year, which got them here and which they're clearly comfortable with, or they're going to have to go outside their comfort zone and play a different sort of scheme, one that has matched up better against the Chiefs this year. I mean, it's very obvious when you look at these pass catchers that you should challenge them, right? Yeah, absolutely. And Kansas City has one of the best secondaries in the NFL, to your point, too. Both sides of the ball. And that's what you have to do against the Chiefs receivers, which we saw Baltimore do for the most part last week. And Kelsey has exploited zone defense. He's also exploited man defenses, as we saw in the AFC title game. So for the most part, I'm with you. And before we get to my bet here on either the spread or total, I'm still going to make you wait on that one. It's a pretty good transition into how you're looking to play one Chiefs receiver, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who clinched the game for the Chiefs last week after his drop against the Eagles, which we lamented on going back to the regular season. And then he does that to send Patrick Mahomes and Taylor Swift. Yes, we will get to Taylor Swift and the Taylor Swift props with Chuck Esposito from stations here in a bit. But Valdez-Scantling's receiving yards prop is 18 and a half. So what's your angle there? I like the over on this one, um, mainly because it's something we've talked about before on this show. I think that the weak point of this 49ers defense is basically their non-Charvarius Ward DBs. And yeah, maybe Charvarius Ward ends up shadowing him, but I don't think MBS is that sort of guy that you want to do that with your top corner. So I'm guessing that won't be the case. Um, and I just think attacking down the field and outside the hashes is probably going to be the way in this matchup. It's been well documented that the 49ers defend the middle of the field better than basically any team. Obviously when you have Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, these type of guys, that makes sense. So the weak point I think is going to be down the field attacking these corners. And when you look at last year's matchup chiefs at 49ers looks like it was week seven um, the Chiefs were quite focused on their wide receivers, which obviously it's a slightly different Chiefs offense, but not like crazy different. Still like pretty anonymous guys. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster went seven for 124 on eight targets and MBS went three for 111 on four targets. So that's definitely Andy Reid and the boys are definitely seeing the same thing I'm seeing, I think, here, which is you need to challenge these corners. You need to challenge them deep. And, like, Kelsey still had a big game, 6 for 98, but he actually took a backseat to the wide receivers, which is is not usual for him, you know. So um, over 18.5, playoff MVS, he's gone for 40-ish yards, I think, 50, 60, something like that, each of the last two games with a big 40 30 yard play. Uh, I, I like over 18 and a half there. It's not like thrilling, but I think it's, I think there's some value there. And you could find those odds 18 and a half. Exactly. Over at that MGM, which proudly presents beat the closing number and the Megapod. Be sure to check out all of our Super Bowl betting previews next week with Matt Brown, Steven Andrus and Adam candy. Also outside shots, college basketball betting previews. This weekend. And to your point, you know, you mentioned how we've been touching on Mahomes and his elite efficiency against zone coverage. I brought this up in my AFC title game guide. He's been elite against zone, subpar against man, or at least league average, comes down to earth from Superman Mahomes, averaging one full yard, more than a full yard greater when it comes to his adjusted net yards per attempt against zone coverage than against man. So I'm going to be really curious to see how Steve Wilkes and the Niners defense plays up against Mahomes throughout the game. Like we saw McDonald kind of shift back and forth, which is more to the point that the Ravens run excellent pre-snap motion and Ravens defense may even take a step back next season just with McDonald getting the Seahawks coaching job. But we have a whole offseason to break that down. You also look at, I saw this earlier in the week, best quarterback performances against the Niners since 2001. Mahomes, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Mahomes has the highest EPA per play and the highest dropback success rate against the Niners. If you look at 
what, two or three matchups against San Francisco since 2001. Who is number two on that list? It's a quarterback, and he was not on one of the active rosters from that division last season. Oh, it's uh, it's not the Raiders guy who who moved over to Broncos, is it? No, no. Okay, he is a journeyman quarterback as well. Not like he was some rookie with the Cardinals. Chase Daniel. It's a good guess. Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy. Had the second highest EPA per play behind Patrick Mahomes against the Niners since 2001, ahead of Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, Joe Burrow, Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields. Also another surprising name on that list. Jalen Hurts, Burrow again, and Carson Wentz. Is that surprising to you? Oh, that was one game setting. One game setting, correct. I guess in one game, it's not that surprising. I thought this was like cumulative. Uh, all matchups they played. Still. Yeah, I mean, it is surprising, I guess, but, you know, one football game, a lot of weird things can happen. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And it kind of, that's another good transition into my bet. So I'm finally going to reveal it. You're going to hate this position, I think. I think, I'm not 100% sure. But I haven't fired it just yet to preface and you can find all of our bets when Mo and I place them the moment we do, or at least the moment we log them after we place the bet in our discord channel link is over at the lines.com in the top right-hand corner, head over to the roll section to subscribe to our instant notifications in the discord channel. Also read our best bets, all that good stuff over at the lines.com. I'm going to be taking a position. Wait for your response on the under 47 and a half. I haven't done it yet, like I said. So I'm kind of curious to see how the market comes in and plays this next week. I could see this getting up to 48, which I think it might be at one book if you price shop over at thelines.com. But just in case we get a better number, I'm going to be playing or wait to play the under. But as of now, it sits at 47 and a half. So angles for me, cliff notes. I expect the Chiefs to have some red zone regression here. If you look back to their last game and a half, the divisional round against the Bills and the back half of that game, I should say, and the Ravens game, four for six in red zone scoring trips. You alluded to the McCole Hardman fumble on the goal line. Yes, that was a result of a Bills fake punt, but still counts as a red zone trip. And the Chiefs got stopped on a fourth and one in the first half against Baltimore. So even with all those conversions, four out of six in their last six red zone trips in terms of converting them in for touchdowns, Chiefs still have a below league average efficiency for the season. And that was also below league average going and entering into the playoffs. And I know the sentiment around the 49ers defense, which we'll definitely both touch on with Chuck here in a bit, but San Francisco still has the fourth rated DVOA when it comes to their defensive splits even with those struggles against the Packers and against the Lions. And then also touched on this on Monday's episode to beat the closing number. Baltimore held Mahomes to 4.4 yards per attempt between the first quarter and that MVS catch and the game winner against the Ravens last week or the game ceiling catch. And we've touched on how good this Chiefs pass defense is with McDuffie and Snead. You've held three elite offenses, even if you want to knock the Bills offense to an extent because of how their passing success rate and dropback EPA kind of took a step back after Joe Brady became the offensive coordinator. You held all three of those offenses to a max 24 points in the playoffs. So I'm going to wait, but I like the under here. What say you, Mel, before we get to our guest? I think the under is probably correlated with the Chiefs just because it's hard to see situations where the 49ers are struggling to move the ball and can still win. But um, overall, I am unsure on the total, but I do think both teams should have success running the ball, which does make me kind of lean that way. I'm just terrified of indoor game between these two teams, basically. That's really what, what scares me. 
Yeah, I don't blame you. And it's not only Mahomes and that efficiency, small sample size, like you said, it's it's one game. So variance could go either way. But those Mahomes numbers against the Chiefs that I mentioned, he's done in that Allegiant Stadium a bunch. Now, that's also against the Raiders. But the numbers speak for themselves in this stadium, to your point, in a dome. But also running the ball, you brought up Pacheco and McCaffrey, assuming Shanahan doesn't stick his face up, up his own ass when you think about how Munkin did that last week in the AFC title game. But the 49ers rank dead last when it comes to regular season adjusted pace. Kansas City also below league average. So that also plays to the under, right? Yeah, I, I would think so. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be looking to hit like 2018 Chiefs type of you know shots here. And then... On the other end, I especially after watching last week's, I mean, you have to think the Niners aren't going to lose their minds, like you said. And also, Purdy, how conservative mentally, and I guess Shanahan to an extent too, when it comes to play calling in the red zone and not making mistakes for a guy who has made some over the last couple of weeks and nearly made a couple more, if not for dropped interceptions against the Packers and Lions, too. Yeah, one would think uh, the 49ers would want to stay, keep him out of harm's way. But um, on the other hand, I guess if the Chiefs go ahead, it just depends on whether the 49ers keep pounding the rock or Brock Purdy starts dropping back and throwing uh, hospital balls, and we'll see what happens at that point. Now it's time to be joined by the aforementioned legendary Chuck Esposito, the race and sportsbook director at Stations Casino in Las Vegas. Chuck, we were chatting about this before the podcast began. You're expecting a potential record handle in Vegas, just considering the Super Bowl is playing in that dome that Mo and I were just mentioning at Allegiant Stadium. So go into that, what the expectations have been like for you over at Stations and your team with the big game being played in the home city that you're in. First, it's great to be on with you guys. I know we go way back, Eli, and it's, it's fun to kind of catch up and, and chat a little bit. But I think just with the game being here, there's just such an added kind of buzz, electricity, hype. Um, usually we say this is the, you know, the prep week or the prop week or the calm before the storm, but that's not necessarily the case. You, it's just a different atmosphere in here right now. So uh, guests love the props. They've been asking for the prop packet from day one as soon as the game's ended. And you can just feel it, you know, different things going on throughout all of our properties and the industry and the casino. The whole town is football centric right now. And who would have thought 10 years ago that we'd be talking about us having a pro football team, a pro hockey team, a WNBA team, F1, let alone a Super Bowl here in Vegas. Yeah, shout out to one of our bosses, Nicole Russo, huge F1 fan and kind of better for that matter. She used to do some betting write-ups over at thelines.com, but I digress. We have a couple historic props that we want to get to that you have been single-handedly involved in creating, or at least <laughs> one primarily that I want to touch on. Mo, you could take the latter of the two, both very, very notable in Super Bowl history. The first one dates back to Super Bowl twenty. And in 1985, Bears, Pats, Mike Ditka, and Jim McMahon, Walter Payton. I'm sure there were a lot of bets on Payton to score a touchdown, but it's not like there weren't player props, Chuck, as you well know, and helped invigorate before that big game. But that was the first prop that kind of set the tone for these novelty props in a sense, because you had the fridge that opened 25 to one that you helped generate over at Caesars during your time at that sports book. You've been a bookmaker and in the sports book industry for so long. So Perry opened at that big number, closed two to one, and then scored a touchdown in the second half on the goal line. Take us through that tale and your involvement individually. I wish you wouldn't have reminded me about that problem. I was uh, very young in my career and thought it might be my last day when he kind of fell into the end zone. Um, it was, you know, the Bears were such a polarizing team that year that, you know, every talk show, if it was Ditka or McMahon or Peyton or, or Singletary or Fridge, I mean, they just they just were polarizing. Magazine covers, um, everything was about the Bears. We know Ditka kind of pays back Bill Walsh, has Perry uh, uh, carry the ball in a game against San Francisco because he did it the year before with McIntyre in the backfield against the Bears. Anyway, he scores that touchdown against the Packers on a Monday night game. 
and the rest is history. He becomes this big folk hero. So we get close to the Super Bowl, and uh, we start talking about it, and uh, we're throwing, bouncing around different props. And, uh, and you're right, props existed then, but nothing like today. You'd maybe have a handful of props up, all tied to mainstream stuff. We decide to be a little creative, and me being from Chicago and a Bears fan, pulling out my boss's suit, you know, I think we got to put this up. We got to put this up. We got to put it up. It'll get good media. No way he's going to score. No way. Well, of course, we know uh, that he did. We saw the steady flow of money just at 25 to 1, at 20 to 1, at 15 to 1, to the point where we were a mega loser, six figure loser on that prop. Um, of course, when he scored, very long face on our side of the counter, especially me, um, thinking this could be my last day. But little did we know that it really would propel prop betting to where it is today, that it became such a media sensation, even with us losing on that prop, that it forced us to be so much more creative. Think outside the box. What's popular right now? What can we capitalize on? And that was kind of the start of where prop betting is today, where it's just nonstop. It probably makes up at least 50% of the overall handle on the game. Guests crave, and the media craves us to be really creative, think outside the box, and what different are you guys doing this year? And it's all really because the fridge kind of fell into the end zone in that Super Bowl. So with the Hester thing, what sort of numbers were you guys dealing on, like, first touchdown, opening kickoff touchdown, anytime touchdown, all that type of thing? Th those were bigger numbers, Mo, even than what, what the fridge was at. And I think a lot had to do with the fact that um, Tony Dungy had said, we're not kicking to number 23. We're not doing it. Now, first of all, the Bears would have had to have either won the toss, elected to receive, or lost it, and Indianapolis deferred for him to score the you know, on the opening kickoff. So we had all these long prices up, um, didn't expect it to happen. Of course, that morning, Dungy goes, forget it. We're the Colts. We're kicking to number 23. So he does. Well, as the Bears receive, I'm more concerned with making sure everything gets locked out, everything's looking good. I turn my back for a second. As you mentioned, I was at Caesars. I hear this roar. I thought a jet was taken off in the sports book. It was so loud. I look up only to see number 23, I think being chased by Pat McAfee, running down the sideline for a touchdown. Um, it was a catastrophic loss, again, on that game, industry-wide. Everybody really got hurt on that. But we did need the Colts to cover the spread in that game, so it really worked out well. Real funny story, of course, my, being from Chicago, my, uh, my wife calls right after the game, says, your daughter wants to talk to you. And she's like, Dad, she's crying. She's, I think, five years old. She's crying. She says, Dad, I'm so sorry the Bears lost. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, it's okay, honey. Daddy was a hero. We made a whole lot of money today. So unfortunately, you can't be a fan when you're sitting on this side of the counter. <laughs> That's an excellent story. And Devin Hester, it's kind of good timing because, well, we'll see if it, he breaks the two-year curse, I guess, for him individually making the Hall of Fame. He's a finalist for a third straight year among 15 finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame and had one of the most historic <laughs> kickoff returns, especially because the Colts special teams unit had sucked that year, right, exactly. to your point. So it was like, why are you kicking to him? And then Dungy admits after the fact that he was kind of stubborn about it pregame. But you brought up that you were a hero that night, at least <laughs> from your side of the counter, not for betters, but for your industry as a whole. And hopefully for you guys, last week was a big moneymaker because it seemed like it was being reported in Chiefs Ravens that the books cleaned up on Kansas City winning outright, closing as around a four-and-a-half-point underdog. Mo is a Chiefs fan. Now, I just want to preface, he does not let his fandom get in the way of his bets. <laughs> I just like to say that on every episode. But, Chuck, take us back to last week, since you mentioned the Colts-Bears result, what it was like for you guys with Ravens-Chiefs. You know, it was a game that we saw pretty much one-sided action in favor of Baltimore. Um, we kind of, from our side, thought three was a good number. Uh, I know there was some... Some around the industry that opened it up three and a half. 
Uh, we like the three, thinking it is Patrick Mahomes. You know, now he's in the second straight week of getting points. Um, we opened it up three, but all of our large bets were on the were on the Ravens. They they drove that game up to four and a half. Um, but we really needed the under too. There was a considerable amount of over money that just rolled in. Um, we did have some chief money line, uh, but the the key for us was if we could keep it under, and the Chiefs could either cover one, two, or three would have been Nirvana. But keeping it under, and even if they win, under was the key. And it really worked out perfectly for us. Um, With that said, though, going into the second game, we had a lot of money on Detroit on the money line. So what we didn't want to do was pay dog-dog money line because it paid over 10 to 1 with those two. So we were in really good shape after the first game. But going into halftime of the second game, we were lighting a lot of candles at that point, guys, because there was definitely some nervous energy on, on our side. Um, again, from a fan side, it's a great story, Detroit. Cinderella story. Everybody was backing them. The crowd even had flipped. There was tons of Niner stuff in the book, but the crowd was all lions. It's like a Cinderella story in March Madness when a, a, a dog that nobody thinks is going to win it has a chance. Um, but uh, we did not want to pay out dog, dog. So really, it worked out well for us last Sunday. Yeah, our guest was one of the dog dog money line guys so he was one of the he was one of the sad ones unfortunately for him um so can you take us through like what the prop making process is like for the super bowl how early do you guys start putting your heads together with ideas is it before the two teams are even locked in um and then what are those like what what's it like to come up with all those numbers how does that process even work it's really fun for us. It's uh, We do start putting some of the stuff together before the teams are known. More kind of generic. Will there be a defensive score? You're you're building the body of kind of the props. Uh, will there be a safety? Will there be a two-point conversion? Um, getting the body completely done. And then once you know who the teams are, we start just going through all the stats. We've got a great uh, team of uh, hub traders here. Um, myself, Jason McCormick, our vice president of race and sports and our entire team will sit down and it's just kind of a, a fun session for day after day after day. And um, usually we put the packet out on today or, or Saturday. Uh, this year, we put it at the first um, kind of version of it on Wednesday, uh, 20 pages, because the guests were craving it so much. We'll put the second half up uh, probably later today or tomorrow to fi- fin- finalize it. Excuse me. But it's it's a fun process for us. And then it's like, how can we be creative? Who can think outside the box? What can we do that is going to make a media splash, be water cooler chatter, but really has something to do with the game? And everyone's always asked, you know, this year, of course, can you put up how many times they show uh, a certain pop star? Uh, Will she be wearing a Chiefs cap or hoodie? Will one of the two of them propose? Well, unfortunately, we can't put that stuff up. But then we got a little creative, and we can talk about that in a second, um, on a prop that has kind of drawn national attention uh, with that pop star and a certain tight end. Yeah, and that's how you know Chuck is a media pro, because he just led me into that next topic. And Taylor Swift props. We have a prop game up, by the way, over at thelines.com at play.thelines.com. So even though you can't wager on Taylor Swift necessarily to the point that Chuck was mentioning whether it was her outfit or whatever it may be in whatever suite she may be in you can do so in the contest that we have over at play.thelines.com but one of the props that you have up that is extremely creative kind of crossover prop in a sense not your typical one but will travis kelsey have more receptions than taylor swift does platinum albums which i believe is 10 so a what was your thought process going into it and if you had to bet it how would you play it? My thought process was as we we started talking about it, like, can we do this? Let's, you know, we had to vet it through our compliance and legal department, and you know, we we uh, it's more of a play on words. It really is creativity. You're just betting. Will Travis Kelsey have exactly ten receptions, nine or less, or eleven or more? However, um, what I like about it is that he comes off a game that he just had eleven receptions against the Ravens. We know he's going to be a focal point of that offense. She happens to have 10 U.S. platinum albums, and I think it's creativity at its finest. Um, We just were, uh, you know, we put it up to kind of draw some attention, and we thought it might, but it was crazy the way it took off. I know we we touched on it a little bit before we uh, uh, got on together, but 
from USA Today and Washington Post and ESPN. It has really kind of garnered a lot of attention. Um, love to put more stuff up. We've got a, a crossover with a um, will a uh, power slap end in a swift knockout. Power slap is the Friday before in one of the fights to a Travis Kelsey touchdown. So again, just creativity, guys, but it's clearly drawing a lot of media attention, what we hoped it would do. So I did go through your entire prop sheet, um, not finding myself wanting to bet as many things this year uh, for whatever reason, which is kind of weird for me, especially for the last few weeks. I've had a lot of props. It's kind of weird for anybody. They love the props. (laughs) I I know. And I do too. I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just... I'm washed now already after too much success. <laughs> I've been doing good on these props. One that I kind of like and was interested in, I haven't seen it anywhere else for some reason. Uh, total sacks in the game, four and a half. You have it slightly shaded to the under. I, I like that side. Um, so I'd be coming up to your shops if I lived in Las Vegas to bet that, I think. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? I kind of was like, okay, you have a quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, who's probably the toughest person to sack in the NFL, and Brock Purdy, who's a lunatic, and instead of taking sacks, just likes to throw the ball up into double coverage. So I kind of like the under on that one. Also, just obviously the Chiefs losing a man who hurts the, the pass rush there as well. Yeah, I think, you know, we looked at all these and we're going to we looked at what the the Chiefs average in sacks, what the Niners average and what they give up in sacks. And you're exactly right. Our conversation was almost identical to that, that number 15, Mahomes, he doesn't get sacked at all. Um, And and we know that Purdy wants to get rid of the ball. And for me, the Niners, when I look at the game on paper, I think the Niners are the better of the two teams from top to bottom. But they haven't played that way for the last eight weeks or so. Um, they didn't play great against Green Bay, didn't play great against Detroit. And I think it's Patrick Mahomes. You're giving the guy points. He's an unbelievable record, either as a small favorite or getting points in a game. Um, this is, I think, the third straight time they're going to be underdogs. I don't think that's ever happened in the Mahomes-Andy Reid era, um, which scares me a little bit. And, you know, we just we, we try to put up what we think are competitive props, even with that Kelsey pop star prop it's a it makes you think because he just came off a game with 11 receptions um so we looked at it we juiced it toward the under um I like the under as well guys to be honest with you I just don't see these two guys uh getting sacked that much all right so Mo and Chuck on the same page Chuck please don't steal Mo for your behind the counter usage and take him away from us over at the lines.com <laughs> but you you mentioned Mahomes as a dog 10-1-1 against the spread. Now, there are listeners and viewers, I'm sure, that look at trends and say, okay, auto bet on the Chiefs, right? I'm assuming your spread handle as of now, now, just to preface, it's going to change over the course of the next week plus, but leading up to kickoff, especially on game day when you have your casual batters, more casual batters placing bets on the Super Bowl. I'm assuming you would agree with that notion. But what's the handle right now like for the spread Money line and total. The handle's been great so far, guys. Um, we've had a couple of uh, uh, six-figure wagers roll in already, which is usually uncharacteristic the week before. Um, they're all on San Francisco so far. Um, however, there's a lot of money line play on Kansas City. This is one of those games where there's not that kind of middle that we could have working for us where you have a favorite of, say, four, five, six points, where they're, they're laying the favorite and taking the dog on the money line, and we could possibly middle it. Um, that isn't the case. I think most people that like Kansas City, um, especially if we tick the money line up a bit, are clearly backing the Chiefs in the game. Um, but the big bets so far have been on San Francisco. We've only seen a, uh, you know, a small amount of what we're going to get as we get closer and closer to kickoff next week. But I think, as we chatted about earlier, if this is any indication, it really has the potential to set a record handle here illegally in the state of Nevada. Um, as far as the total goes, I like it under myself when I look at the makeup of these two teams and the game. But the public is definitely going to bet over. We've already seen that. As you guys mentioned, it's indoors. Um, Mahomes is 4-0 and in Allegiant Stadium. He's 3-1 and against the number, 3-1 and towards the over. Um, so I can see a lot of over money coming in, and that's been the case so far. Ticket count and money. Although we haven't moved it, we've ping-ponged a little bit between 47.5 and 48. My guess is it closes 
a little bit higher. But the betting public right now is backing the Niners and over, but money line play on the Chiefs. Well, Eli's waiting for that that number still, so hopefully you're right. Um, <laughs> same kind of question when it comes to props. Anything catching your eye as far as like heavy action? Um, any numbers that you've had to move immediately because you know somebody hit them really hard and you maybe realized you missed something or uh, just put out a bad number for whatever reason? Yeah, I don't think there's any real bad numbers right now. They've only been up the the packet for a little over 24 hours. We'll see the bulk of the play uh, next week. What we are seeing is that we, we've we added some um, same-game props that are really popular. Um, will will Christian McCaffrey have over 90.5 yards rushing? Will there be a touchdown by Debo Samuel? And will the 49ers win? Those are getting a lot of play right now. Those are the ones that everybody's been been asking about. And those are getting a ton of attention right now. We've only scratched the surface, guys. I mean, the town will be packed next week. People are grabbing the packs, uh, the, the prop packs. I just haven't seen one prop that's just like so one way um, that, you know, we have to take it down or readjust. I will say on the, the Kelsey Popstar prop that almost every ticket, is on him to have 11 receptions or more. So nobody thinks he's going under. They think he's going to have a big game. And I think on all the Kelsey props so far, we probably have more money than any of our other props. So we're going to need Travis Kelsey not to have a good game. (laughs) Makes sense. And you know what? Like Jason, Mo and I touched on earlier in the week, it's probably going to happen. But I don't want to necessarily put that in your mouth, Chuck, that notion, because – we saw it last week, 49ers defense with their elite linebacker core, pretty stout over the middle when it comes to their coverage. But Laporta still had a decent, I mean, better than a decent game. I think he went right. over his receiving yards prop. So if you had to handicap that prop individually and bet one side or the other, not necessarily saying you're going to do it. If you listen back a few minutes ago, you can read between the lines on a bet that Chuck may make himself, but for Kelsey in particular, how would you play it? It seems like a big number to me, guys, um, to, to have him go over uh, the, the 10 receptions. Um, if I'm San Francisco, I want to take him away. We know that Kansas City, you know, that Rice is a good young receiver, but it's not like the Tariq Hill days where they had this guy that was really stretching the field and creating havoc all over the place. I think I look at these two teams, and I the Niners' defense hasn't played great of late, but I look at the Chiefs' defense, and this isn't your prototypical offensive juggernaut. This is a Chief defense that in the second half of games this year has been stout. They give up absolutely nothing, and I think the Niners' defense is going to have to take Kelsey away. Um, and if they do that, I think it'll stay under. And um, I, I know they're going to try to get him the ball a lot. And he's such a big part of that offense and the magic of Mahomes and um, and Kelsey. But if I'm Shanahan, I'm saying we, we have to take 87 out of the equation, especially on third downs. We can't let him continue to convert. And that's what I would try to do. So for that, I think he goes under. But uh, as you guys mentioned earlier, I'm not placing any bets. I'm rooting for whoever we need. And whoever we needed kickoff, I'm happy to root for in this particular case. Okay. So, <laughs> like you said, you're not placing any bets. You're not making any official, quote-unquote, official picks here on Beat the Closing Number. You did allude to this earlier, though, that if you had to handicap this game, maybe, or at least pick a winner, eight weeks ago, two plus months ago, that San Francisco is the better team on paper. So do you think the adjustment then with the spread, because keep in mind, I don't know what you guys maybe had the look ahead line at for 49ers Chiefs, but three pretty much everywhere, maybe juiced in Kansas City's direction. Do you think this was maybe too much of an overcorrection on the point spread? Well, I I don't think so because, as we talked about earlier, it's so difficult to give Patrick Mahomes points. And I think the fact that he went into Buffalo and Buffalo was – if you talk about Green Bay being the hottest team maybe in the NFC toward the end of the season, Buffalo in the AFC, but Buffalo overall in all of football. They got a lot of love in that game against Kansas City. Everybody thought that, hey, they finally get him at home. You know, they're going to be able to win this game and move on. They're a dog in that game, and they win. Then they go into the well-rested, you know, Raven team that has been so dominant at home, 13-4, and four, um, you know, this year. How good they are running the ball that, you know, you're giving Patrick Mahomes points again. 
and they bet against him again. So maybe it's the third time's the charm, but I think the betters this time realize like, hey, it is really, really tough to give number 15 points. And if you give him a field goal, and I think from our side, we're just giving him too much. Um, so we opened it too, but it was pretty one-sided. I'd say ticket count was clearly about eight to nine to one early on in favor of the Chiefs, and that's what caused the number to drop a full point before it started to tick back up. We've only seen a fraction of what we're going to get, but again, it's huge money line play on the Chiefs, and the larger six-figure wagers have rolled in on the Niners minus the point so far. He is Chuck Esposito, legendary guy in the sports betting space, and currently with Station Casinos out in Las Vegas, racing sportsbook director over at Stations. That was a lot of fun. I know our viewers and, of course, listeners can't see, probably viewers can't see the picture I have. One of the frame photos I have behind me is of William Perry scoring that touchdown against the Patriots. My Bears fandom, Chuck, I know you working behind the counter is probably toast for you as a Chicago sports fan. Maybe not, but Bears for me is completely out the window after working in Chicago sports radio. I kind of root against the Bears at this point, (laughs) but my grandpa was a huge fridge fan. So that was even just a, we've talked about the Perry story a bunch, and I'm sure you get asked about it a ton, but that was kind of cool for me to just reminisce about it all. Yeah, it's definitely fun. I mean, I'm still at heart, uh, you know, Chicago sports fan. My entire family is just uh, even being a Knights fan out here. But sometimes from the business side of it, we find ourselves rooting against some of our favorite teams. He is Chuck Esposito, and you could find him on X at Station Casinos. Really appreciate the time today, Chuck, and good luck behind the counter. We hope you don't do well for our sake, but individually, <laughs> I hope you have a profitable and at least happy, pleasant Super Bowl Sunday. Thanks, guys. Always enjoy uh, jumping on with you and catching up a bit. And uh, hopefully we can do this again uh, sometime real soon. But good luck as well. And uh, we'll see what happens on Super Bowl Sunday. Taking a trip down memory lane with Chuck Esposito and also discussing what you, the listener and viewer, care about, which is what to bet on in Super Bowl 58 between the Chiefs and 49ers. Man, that was fun for me as a former Bears fan, like I touched on. But Favorite part of the conversation for you, Mel? All those old betting Vegas stories. I eat them up. Can't get enough of them. Uh, I don't know why, but just something about the old charm of gambling back in the day. I, I think it just it just makes for good story times. You didn't have a bet on the Hester anytime touchdown or anything in one of those markets, right? No, I think I would have been like 20 maybe. Maybe just first firing a few random bets, probably with my buddies at that time. I can't even recall uh, anything about it, to be honest. Uh, Yeah, just too long ago. I I do. Okay, I do remember one from back in the day. This is before I even like knew what a point spread was, I think. Or maybe I was just learning what I remember being flabbergasted that the Patriots were massive underdogs uh, to the to the Rams. So I think I won. 20 bucks off somebody in my um, middle school gym class, if I'm remembering right there. (laughs) That's incredible. I have some funny stories. Like when I was a kid, I remember betting a couple bucks on that Baron Davis Warriors team to upset the Mavs. I'm not talking at the counter with a buddy. So it was like one to one. I wasn't even getting a good number, but I really loved that Warriors team with, who was it? Ellis was on that Golden State team. Steven Jackson. Steven Jackson. Really fun. I Andres Biedrich. Yeah, very fun Warriors team. I also remember, I don't think I even could have made a bet with my social studies teacher, but I wanted the Colts to beat the Bears in the Super Bowl because even at that point in my life, I had a Super Bowl 41. I was kind of sick of all the Bears love in Chicago. So that kind of takes, gives you an inside look at maybe my Chicago sports fandom and why I am not a fan of any team in particular these days, just my bets in general. But Mo, we didn't discuss our side with the spread, point spread or money line for that matter. I don't think I'm going to have a bet on it. I'd hate to throw out the cliche for our listeners and viewers, if you had a gun to your head, if you had to make a pick 
for the outright winner of the Super Bowl? Where would you go? I'm assuming it's Chiefs, but what's your thought process at least? Um, yeah, I, same answer as I gave the Gridiron Gamble boys back in 2019 in this same game. If you if you make me bet it, I'm going to bet the Chiefs, I think, just because a coaching staff that I trust more. And um, I just kind of think like my, my eyes are telling me the Chiefs are a better team than the Niners at this point. They're going on the road, beating better teams than the Niners are struggling with at home. So that's just basically why I think if I had to pick, I would pick the Chiefs. I just think they're peaking right now, playing better football right now. I know the Niners have been a better team for the whole season. And I said, middle of the season on, I was like, this is the best team in the NFL. It's not close. They're in a tier by themselves. But after seeing Brock Purdy in the playoffs have some downs at times and the way the Chiefs are playing, I just think I would I would take the Chiefs. And Chuck touched on this a little bit. We both touched on Kansas City's elite defense. Chiefs fourth quarter unders are now 19 and one this season. Hopefully that happens. It's it's incredible. So whether you like the Chiefs, whether you like the Niners, maybe just blindly bet the fourth quarter under. (laughs) Hopefully it goes under the fourth quarter for the sake of my eventual full game under bet. To Chuck's point, could easily get bet up to 48 just with all the action going on the over like we saw last year. And we know that betters love trends, even though we don't. So, Mo, any last words here for our Super Bowl 58 betting preview show? Only enjoy the game and be responsible. I'm personally firing some stuff that's probably neutral EV at best because it's fun. But just understand that going in. You know, don't be a complete lunatic just because it's the Super Bowl. Great timing. I have a story up over at thelines.com that speaks to responsible betting problem gambling that's happened. So if you want to check that out or just take Mo's and my brief advice, please, please, please don't chase. If you want to fire a live bet, that we're not saying not to do that. But with all these micro betting markets, just be safe. We don't want anyone having an issue and it's happened so many times because it's the last football game of the season and people either want to make up their losses or double on their losses and at least make some of a profit. But just be careful out there when you're betting on the Super Bowl pregame or live, even trying to chase past losses that you may have had in conference championship Sunday or whatnot. But if you want to check out all of our written content, I'll have a bet's best piece up on that under more in depth over at thelines.com next week. Mo has a ton of Super Bowl content up already on the big game. No weather report this week. Mo usually does that for us over at thelines.com with the game being played indoors. But remember that if you're looking to tail or fade our bets, you can do so with BetMGM promo code thelines, one word. Beat the closing numbers proudly sponsored by BetMGM. And if you lose your first bet as a first-time user with BetMGM Sportsbook, you can get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. We have play.thelines.com for all the Taylor Swift and Usher contests, the halftime performer. And also, if you're looking about college basketball this weekend, check out the latest edition of Outside Shots with myself and Steven Andres in-depth breakdown for college basketball betting. For Mo and for myself, Eli Herskovich, thanks for watching and listening to another edition of Beat the Closing Number. So long, everybody, and good luck in the final game of the NFL season.